Okay, good morning. Is it on? And mine is. Is this is is it on there? It's quite far from your Not really. Number one. It's it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning. Well, it's nice to see that. Is that is that a little loud? Yeah. Nice to see you're all practicing friendliness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Um, how does that? Does that sound a little loud? Sounds loud to me. No. Okay. nice to see that you all put your name tags back on. That'll help us all. Uh, especially people like me who struggle to remember names. Uh, so today the theme will be the first parami, which is generosity. Actually, the, the word dana means, it's a verb, right, Gil? It's a giving. but it's usually referred to as generosity. And we'll talk about that some, uh, then we'll develop how that expresses itself in the realm of chaplaincy. That will be the theme for today. Um, And of course, by this point, we're hoping you've digested some of the download of information we gave you last time that you, you're on your way to finding an internship or you have one. And, and please let us know if you're struggling, you know, if there's just seems like there's nowhere available for you. We can probably help. And similarly with the books and the readings and the writings, you know, it's a lot when you first encounter it. Uh, but hopefully as you settle in, it'll all seem manageable. Um, So we'll start by sitting. And and it's interesting if you think about it that sometimes when we talk about attention, we talk about giving our attention. Like right there in our meditation, uh, we give attention. And of course, we're immediately reciprocated. We give our attention and we receive the experience of the moment. Uh, Sometimes it's helpful to think of directing or giving and then receiving, being available for the experience that arises. You pay attention to your body and then the sound of a passing car arises or a thought. Rather than think of it as a kind of interruption, it's um, almost like an initiation to connecting to everything. 
So as you start to sit, um, giving attention to the reverberation of the activity of getting here. Noticing any um, dominant experience. Maybe the level of mental energy or thinking. Maybe your physical disposition. And noticing what it is, however it's arising, what is it to just let it be what it is? Give attention and receive whatever it is in this moment. Consciousness starts to attune itself to experiencing. Gently guiding that as it engages the body and the breath, the mental activity, and whatever arises in the moment.
What a, what a strange gift meditation is, you know. You just sit there and sometimes you're quiet, sometimes you're not. Sometimes your body flows like energy, sometimes it's a bag of old bones. And then the bell rings for it to end and it's like, hmm. It's like something important just happened. <laughs> So dana, generosity, giving. You know, sometimes it's considered the antidote to fear. Giving as the antidote to fear. The deep impulse for self-preservation. Yeah. However it might appear. Do, do I have enough abundance to give? Or do I need to withhold a scarce commodity? Yeah. So sometimes a mental disposition. Um, I have so many things to worry about, to feel anxious about, to be concerned about, to figure out. I don't have sufficiency to kind of open up and give to other. Um, and one of the great uh, generosities of giving is that it's an activity. You know, we don't we don't have to feel utterly abundant before we start to give. You know. And it's a delicate equation for us, you know. There's, there's a way in which if we're forcing ourselves to do something, it, it creates a more complicated inner activity. You know? We're doing it and we're almost resenting it at the same time. You know? And even in our meditation that can happen, you know. Like maybe if you meditate and then at the end you have a little bit of a headache, you know, or you feel like you were caged in to something. Like, uh, like can giving attention, can giving um, generous thoughts or feelings, can giving physical, material things, can we open to the invitation rather than like I should do it this is something that's the right thing to do and I should do it so in, in a way our places of hesitancy or withholding or stinginess, you know, can, can we, um, can we attend to them very carefully? You know? mm. 
like in in your chaplaincy when you go into an environment it's really asking you to give to be of service you know is there a little fearfulness or anxiety sometimes it's like performance anxiety i don't know the right thing to say will i will i do the right thing you know will i be skillful or whatever um, i you know the kind of deep self preservation you know um can the invitation of that moment um coach us instruct us in- into discovering um what generosity is what giving is you know how do you just give yourself to the situation okay i don't know exactly what's going to happen you know how this person or persons are going to respond you know but i'll give of myself to the situation not because i'm suffused with abundance you know not because my heart is overflowing with generosity and compassion but because um this isn't our meditation even though all sorts of things might happen there's a quiet steady dedication to presence to engaging to giving attention there's a buddhist teaching that says giving receiving and gift are all part of a circle inevitably when we give of ourselves to the situation we receive something yeah. and and maybe everyone in this room could recount times when they've given and felt like yes but i received more than i gave no just talking to that person was so instructive so inspiring so informative you know i came with a certain attitude um and talking to them was in its own way transformative you know i thought oh i thought well this is about me taking care of you like at various times i've gone into prisons and jails and you know ran groups and occasionally it would occur to me that uh the group was taking care of me by not uh by allowing the space to be tranquil in the midst of the chaos of jail life or prison life you know it's a harsh environment often you know it's the things that we take for granted you know that people to a large extent will be polite and respectful to us no uh, that's not what happens in prison <laughs> no you don't take that for granted because it's not the way it is but they would 
I would feel like they were sparing me that harshness. We'll just sit here and let you lead a meditation and let you talk about the Dharma and we'll listen attentively. We will give you respect and attention and acknowledgement. It's like, oh. And I thought I was the one doing that. And what all this is getting at, it, it's getting at, you know, a very fundamental um, Buddhist teaching. That yes, there is something we call the self. But it's not an isolated event. It's in, in a codependent event, you know. The situation um, creates us as much as we create the situation. And then when we give to it, um, that circle of activity of giver, receiver, and gift is stimulated. And sometimes we feel it, you know, it, it's, it's transformative. The fixed mind or the fixed notion. I mean, it, it's part of our human consciousness to think other, you know. Self, other. And then, how wonderful, there's a way of being, a way of engaging, a way of giving that can disrupt that impulse, that deeply ingrained impulse to separate. You know? We can interrupt it. Um, I often think this is why uh, this attribute, this parami, this paramita, is often primary in when they're listed. There's, there's something there that's fundamental and powerful. In many of rituals in Buddhism, and, and I would say beyond, uh, one of the main activities of the ritual is giving. You know, you you offer incense, you light a candle, you, know, you make a donation. I grew up in Catholic Ireland, you know, and anytime you went to church, there was always a donation taken up, you know. And then recently I was flying on a, uh, the Irish airline, and they took up a donation <laughs> for UNESCO. <laughs> I guess this is what we do, <laughs> Irish people do, when we get together, we take up a donation for something. <laughs> Actually, it felt kind of charming. Yeah. And to watch within ourselves, you know, the times when we may feel 
you know, I, I wasn't being generous. That's just what happened, you know. Like there, there, there's a, uh, a Zen image. And, and giving is, is likened to like reaching for the pillow in the night. You know, like you adjust your pillow, but you're not actually fully awake. It's kind of like an instinctive thing that happens. Yeah. Like that kind of generosity. You know, it wasn't any great thing. It just, it was the obvious instinctive thing to do. And then on the other end of the spectrum, where you feel uh, so self-conscious, so bereft, so separate, the opening up and giving seems almost impossible. And, And the generosity of our practice is we include it all. No? Like when we're one way, okay. When we're the other way, okay too. No? Hmm. Look at that. Look at how frightened I am right now. Look at how involved I am in self preservation. No. And sometimes it's the product of an old wound. No. And then, and then the, to, in the middle of that, to give. Yeah. Like, well, what can I give? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm filled with performance anxiety. Well, can I just stand here for a moment? And, and take in this prison, this hospital room, this homeless person. Two nights ago, about seven o'clock, homeless person knocked my door and he said, someone stole my suitcase and they threw it over the fence into your backyard. So I went to the backyard and I brought out his suitcase. It was, I don't know what was in it, it was really heavy. But it was also kind of like incredibly beat up. And he was so effusive in his thanks, you know. And in that moment, I thought, oh, I have a home. And I can open the door and close the door. And nobody's going to come along and take it and throw it over a fence. And uh, the way in which the world is always asking us to rediscover our connectedness. And, and the way in which the self will create a world and then quietly, or sometimes not so quietly, or maybe as presumptuously live within it. Yeah. 
and, and as we attend to it, you know, we see giver, receiver, and gift. It's a circle. You know, that we give and we receive. And anything and everything can be the gift. You know. And, and it asks of us a certain disposition. No. I've, I've sometimes heard the admonition, well, give, it's, it's usually about donating, give until it hurts. You know? I don't know. Maybe give until you smile is a better, <laughs> if there is a better or worse way. Um. But to hold that, um, acknowledgement of the alchemy of it all, you know, to, to, to remind yourself there's something very basic about being alive that's represented, that's engaged in giving and receiving. And sometimes receiving, letting yourself receive first, you know, is skillful. You know. Like in a way that's what gratitude practice is. What have I received? You know, what, what, what is there for me to be grateful for? You know, sometimes uh, attending to our own healing. You know, to give ourselves that. And then sometimes the courage to step over a boundary that, of course, we've helped to create. Yeah. Um, and especially in the Mahayana, this notion of giver, receiver, and gift. That we're always part of that circle. Yeah. One way or another. Whether we notice it or not. Thank you. So, uh, somewhere, once upon a time, the, the shore, no, can't hear? You, because you have the hearing system device? Because it's on for me, it's really loud for me. Yeah, it, this is quite loud for me. I don't. Let's uh, take. Okay. Okay. So once upon a time, maybe today or long, long ago, someone did something for you that was generous, that somehow, in some way, made today possible for you brought you here, brought you this point in your life, 
create the conditions for this day of your life, somewhere, sometime, someone. And is that person here with you in your heart? Do you remember the person, the people, the group? Do they have still a place in your emotional heart and your connection? And what would, what would it mean to remember those people? Remember to be touched by them still and feel that appreciation and gratitude and, and to be the carrier of that, to carry that in, in us. And so here we are. And there's about 26 of us. And I wonder how many people are standing behind us whose generosity somehow or other made this possible, our circle here today. Generosity cannot be obligatory, then it's not generosity. Giving can be obligatory. Giving is an act that that you can do and uh, Someone can almost can steal from you with a gun to your face and say, give me that. <laughs> and you give it to them. And, um, you know, so giving can be non-obligatory, just the act of handing over something. But uh, generosity can't be obligatory. And, um, and that distinction is very interesting because sometimes we give when we don't feel generous because uh, we learn things from that. Uh, we learn about how we are, we don't want to give. And that's a very important lesson. Uh, we might learn um, something about our relationship to other people in the giving. We might learn something about, you know, all kinds of things we might learn. We might learn how good it feels to give. We might be surprised by the consequence and the results. And wow, the next time you want to be generous because it felt so good. And so some people take on giving as a practice and it can be a great practice to do. And I've certainly benefited a lot from the practice of giving when I haven't felt like it. But it was clear I was doing it as a practice. And in that sense, it wasn't obligatory. And then there are times when, uh, uh, when giving is, comes from generosity. And I think as one of the paramis, all the paramis have to do with qualities of the heart rather and so this, uh, this quality of, uh, of generosity, I love uh, Paul's uh, word of abundance. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, to have this uh, idea of generosity and giving at the beginning of the paramis is a way of establishing our practice and our chaplaincy work in relationship to other people. And our relationships are really important. And so in the act of generosity, in giving and generosity, we're beginning to explore what our relationship is to others, where we fit with them, how we feel about it. We have anxiety, as Paul talks about, with the whole interpersonal world and being a chaplain or something. Um, are we inspired by other people? Are we kind of touched in such a deep way that, of course, you want to be generous? Generosity not being even a, a self-reflective idea, but more of a just like here. Do we meet the other as, we can meet in generosity, sometimes we meet the other as ourselves, and sometimes ourselves as the other. Sometimes we meet 
uh, self and other are distinct and we have a kind of profound meeting of two distinct people that mutual respect and autonomy and and uh, and heartfulness it's fantastic so many different parameter uh, per- permutations of what generosity can be but i think for me uh uh it's kind of a, coming out of my training in Buddhism for 40 years or more, um, I look back and say the training or the modeling or the teachings, the practice of generosity is one of the most sacred things that I encounter, something I keep very close to my heart, something that I feel tremendous, you know, gratitude, it doesn't even speak to it, tremendous kind of transformation from being the recipient of so many people's uh, generosity towards me. And then feeling such such naturalness or delight or happiness in being generous that it almost feels like that to not be generous is kind of a, to be, it hurts for me. You know, like, you know, know, just like, I don't know, it just feels like a kind of violence even. I guess, I don't know if I want to put generosity and violence together, but there's a kind of quite strong thing. It's just become such a big part and kind of, kind of a sacred dimension. It's a wonderful thing. And it's a powerful motivation. And I say that because um, there's a lot of people who are going to want to try to motivate you or you might feel obligated to be motivated to help others, to do things for others because you have a duty, you have responsibility, because you're obligated and you better. And uh, if, you're go- you're, if you're like a good person, you better get involved in this cause and that cause and do that and this. And, and UNESCO is screaming. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you can't get off the plane without, you know. <laughs> the, um, and so this, this the, the, you know, this, the, it, it's am- I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed now that I'm tuning into it, how strong the message is from many people you should, you have to, you're only a successful person, a right person, you're the wrong kind of person, you have the wrong politics, you have all kinds of things if you don't do X. And I've seen in myself and seen in others what a powerful motivation it is to come from generosity and how much can be done from that non-obligatory generosity. It, people can, you can be tireless in your work for others, tireless in your work for all kinds of causes and things. But it comes from that place of, uh, you know, of generosity, of freedom, of non-obligatoriness. Coming from a place where the self, the self-identity and self-representation, self-preoccupation, whatever kind of language you, you kind of works, um, uh, is not tight or preoccupied or gotten solidified or uh, gotten somehow to be a, you know, a speed bump for us. It's, it's kind of a beautiful thing to really tap into this reservoir of generosity, this place, the capacity, this place of freedom where that can come from and flow forth. I have a tremendous amount of trust in it. And, uh, and I think that if we don't want to have, be exhausted from offering spiritual care, uh, it's a lot better to be generous than to do anything based on obli- obligation. And even if we have commitments we've made, and when you sign up to be a spiritual caregiver, uh, there's commitments to show up at a certain time, to go to certain rooms. 
Uh, and the art of it is how to do that and stay close to the spirit of generosity. You know, where, where is that coming from in me? Can I do it? Can I find it? And it's not always easy to do it. And there's all kinds of things that get in the way. And uh, part of the practice that I feel, the Buddhist practice, is to learn from that. And so sometimes approach it as a giving that I'm, so that I could learn, so I could kind of be up against myself and explore and find out, where am I holding back? Why am, where am I making a self out of this? Where am I caught in something? Why isn't this coming out of me freely and gen- you know, you know, flowing in an easy, soft, kind of gentle way? Why is it not an inspiring movement inside of me? Why does it feel like work right now? And those are great questions to be had. So, that's going to be more or less your question. So what I'd like to ask you to do is to partner up with one other person. And, uh, and uh, the exercise is to do something called a repeating question. Some of you have done this before, maybe. And the idea is that uh, one of you is, um, uh, asks a question and the other one answers. Once one of you has asked the question, uh, answered the question, you pause for a moment, and then you ask the same question back to the other person. And that person has a chance to answer the question. When that person's answered the question, they ask the question again. So the same question going back and forth. You take turns asking it of each other and take turns answering it. And, uh, and in the process of doing that, uh, you know, the easy answers will come to you maybe initially. But as you keep doing it, you might have to stretch or explore, or find out inside of you. What is it that, um, you know, is there other areas and other perspectives, other situations? Um, you know, oh, well, you know, oh, I forgot that one place. It's like this. Or in that relationship, it's like that. Or... You know, you kind of start to, you might be surprised by what comes out because you have to keep answering the same question and you don't want to repeat yourself. Repeated questions, but not repeated answers. And, um, and, um, and also you're hearing what the other person says. And who knows what that'll spark in you. So oh, that might bring up some new perspective. And oh, I didn't think about that. And then something else will occur to you. Does that make sense? So the question is, what gets in the way of your, gen- of your generosity? What gets in the way of your generosity? And the last thing I'll say is in introduction to this question is that generosity is an ideal. And in Buddhism, there's a kind of a principle sometimes I've seen, or some people teach, that uh, if there's a gap between the ideal and the actual, Look at the actual. So some par- sometimes the purpose of an ideal is not to force yourself to do the ideal, but the ideal is a mirror to help us understand what gets in the way of the ideal. And then if you work through that, the obstacle to the ideal, that's nice. And then it might turn out, and you look around the situation, what you thought was the ideal wasn't the right thing to do anyway. <laughs> and, uh, but if you're living with an ideal, it kind of sometimes blinds us and we kind of, kind of apply ourselves in the wrong way to the situation. 
But it's never, it's almost never wrong to go back and look at what gets in the way. Because then you get rid of that, you have more space to see and understand and there might be something new coming out. And one of the, in the, ancient, in the, in the old teachings of Buddhism, a wise person was defined as someone who understood what gets in the way. Not someone who understood the ideal. So that's kind of interesting, right? So we'll hope you get a little bit wiser today. What gets in the way of your generosity? Is that good? So uh, I think it'd be nice, it, you, you know, you did some partnering up last time. It kind of would be nice if you uh, found someone di- different today. But if you could partner up with someone and, um, and then when you're ready, you can start up. And, um, and um, you'll do this for about um, 10 minutes or so. And um, I'll, decide, you know, I'll decide exactly as we go along. And, uh, and just go back and forth and relax. And you, know, and you might even, if you want to get kind of in a settled meditation posture to do this, so you can really kind of settle in and, and kind of see what, how your heart and mind stretches. Please. So you can come back, return, return. So return, return, come back, come back. We're going to uh, take a moment to uh, just debrief here a little bit what that was like before taking a break. But since we're going to be sharing now, talking now in the whole circle, and, um, and also you, you did you know, share maybe some tender things in that, um, it's time for us to read the group agreements. And uh, who would like to um, confidently, inspiringly read the group agreements to make, to make an impression? Maybe stand as you read it. Don't be shy. Great. Oh, that's not working. There's one more coming. We have to do later. Yeah, yeah, we need to. Okay, the group agreements, as we have refined and agreed upon thus far, try on 
on new processes, ideas, perspectives before automatically rejecting them because they are different than your experience. Be willing to step out out of your comfort zone. (laughs) It's okay to disagree. Disagreement is a necessary part of accepting differences. It's not okay to attack or, it says attach, but I think it means attack, or blame self or others. This can happen on a verbal or a nonverbal level. (laughs) Practice self-focus. Use I statements. Pay attention to what you are feeling and thinking. Ask questions of self and other. Instead of jumping to jumping <laughs> to conclusions, check out your assumptions. I know the answer. Okay, maybe I don't. Uh, notes. Giving advice is the vampire of spiritual care. You can choose to use, I prefer no feedback as code. Practice both and thinking and speaking. There are multiple realities of each person present. The notion of either or, right, wrong, good, bad, is not helpful in human relationships. It sets up a hierarchy of values. There, there are multiple realities of each person present. That one sort of caused me to pause because <laughs> then I see like, like around each person is like a group. There's like a collection, right? <laughs> we're not just 26. We're uh, <laughs> hundreds. <laughs> multiple realities of each person present. Um, so to not narrow them. Okay. 100% responsibility. You know more than anyone what you need. Let go of all the other things you need to be doing and be present in this process. Participation looks different for everyone. Be aware of how you learn and process information. Intent versus impact. There is a difference between what we intend and what the impact is on another. It is important to accept when the impact is negative and seek to understand why without jumping to explanation or apology. Assume benevolence of intent. Yeah? That's like message sent is me- in nonviolent communication. Is message sent, message received, or not? That's, that's what I hear in that. That's the intent of that? Yeah. To not assume. Um, to try and understand, yeah. Maintain confidentiality. Anything said of a personal nature cannot be shared. Um, outside this room is, is stri- uh, striken out, so cannot be shared. We don't want to say simply outside the room. We're saying cannot be shared at all. Uh, is that correct? Asking for... Without the person's permission. Okay, so anything said of personal nature cannot be shared without the person's permission. 
even in this room. Um, if you want to talk to someone about what they said, ask permission. Then they can say yes, sure, no. Uh, move up, move back. Be aware of how much you are speaking. If you feel you're speaking a lot, let others speak. Move back. <laughs> um, ask yourself, wait, why am I talking? If you find others not talking, try to contribute. If you find yourselves not talking, try to move up, to speak expand into an uncomfortable range. Thank you very much for standing up here <laughs> so nicely. I asked for confidence and inspiration and we got a wonderful, exa- wonderful example. Thank you. So, um, so, what gets in the way of ge- your generosity? Uh, what was it like to do that exercise? It'd be nice to hear a range of what it was like. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 just speak. Yeah, I better step back. I've been saying too much. <laughs> uh, um, what was the biggest one that gets in my gener- uh, way of my generosity? Um, I think uh, resentment, uh, knowing what's best for the other person or doesn't deserve it. Mm. Judgment. Pat, just pass it one direction. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I was struck by the commonality. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciated the question being asked over and over again, and then we built built on each other. I think in some ways I surprised myself, and in some ways I didn't at all. I always welcome the chance to go deeper. Where we just don't do that often enough, like with spouses. Everything everyone else has been saying. And very sweet. Loved that exercise and realized the, the, more, the more we kept asking the question, the deeper we went. So we started maybe on the surface and then kept going. So, yeah, appreciate it. I thought it was powerful, same thing. It just it went deep pretty, pretty quickly. And judgment was really high up there. Yeah, I thought it was also really revealing um, of the depth of self-preservation, self-preoccupation. It was fun. It was fun to to get to know somebody. Uh, I enjoyed the exercise. It was, uh, yeah, it was just to to, um, be able to sit and talk and get together and that was nice useful I thought it was very insightful and I agree with you know it's easy to talk on the surface in the beginning but it forces you to go deeper it made me feel vulnerable and um, I appreciated the sort of the 
reflection of myself and my partner. I thought it was really humbling um, just realizing how many stories and myths that I believe and keep me living in a certain way. I felt that it was an insightful exercise and also connecting and that I felt that there was a lot of commonality between the answers that I gave and my partner gave. So it was connecting in that way. Um, I really enjoyed the exercise and getting to know my partner um, a little bit uh, on a deeper level. I also thought that um, for me, an underlying theme in um, most of my answers was fear and judgment. I thought it was a wonderful exercise. I was uh, surprised to learn so much about myself and also how much of what my partner had to say, I thought, oh, yeah, that's another reason. (laughs) I felt less lonely and more inspired to see the commonality. Um, I also enjoyed the exercise, and I found it clarifying for myself in terms of thinking about what generosity really means. Um, And also just... I'm struck by how warm of a group of people <laughs> it's nice every time we get to talk to someone new I think that um, it's interesting what I've, what I've learned even just listening to someone else and, and their um, my partner's like expression of being generous and sometimes um, feeling depleted or, or feeling like uh, Feeling like I don't know if I can give more can come up in a in a experience of being generous, of being generous or showing generosity to others. So that's something that I like to study a little bit more. Uh, it helped flesh out the concepts and the obstacles and kind of see what they really are. Fantastic! Thank you very, very much for participating in all that and, and sharing a little bit what it was like. And I hope that this is a lifetime exploration uh, to explore the place of generosity, the potentials of generosity, and the freedom that generosity uh, really respects, uh, uh, represents. Uh, generosity, I think of it as a really a a, a door to f- certain kind of spiritual freedom, heartfelt freedom, and expression of it. And to have something be both the expression of it and the discovery of it is a great thing. So um, we'll take a break. And we'll take 15 minutes. We'll start in here at 10.45.